Giving Tuesday is your chance to put your money where your heart is while having that money up to double. The Portage Health Foundation is matching up to $200,000 in donations to 26 nonprofits in Michigan's Copper Country. This year's nonprofit partners include Keweenaw Random Acts of Community Kindness, Unity Mental Health and Wellness, Dial Help, Keweenaw Nordic Ski Club, Copper Country Senior Meals, Friends of the Porkies, and Little Brothers Friends of the Elderly. See a full list of our partners and learn how to donate by visiting phfgive.org slash givingtuesday. Welcome back to segment two of Copper Country Today, brought to you by the Portage Health Foundation. And again, a reminder that the Giving Tuesday campaign actually is already underway at phfgive.org. And Giving Tuesday is coming up this Tuesday with a number of wonderful local organizations where donations are going to be matched by the Portage Health Foundation. So please go to phfgive.org, check out what they're doing, arrange to make your donation to have it matched on Giving Tuesday. We have talked a lot on this program over the years about local economic development experts. We've had people on from Whoopeter and the Smart Zone and places such as that. I don't know that we've ever addressed the actual inve- the actual uh, effort to develop business across the entire Upper Peninsula. And there is a group that is organized that does that. It's called Invest UP. Marty Fitante runs that, and he joins me on the program today. We take a look at kind of the wider picture than we've been able to address before. Marty, welcome to the program. Good morning, Todd. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it's good to have you here because we have, as I said, talked a lot about local economic development. We talk with our chamber people. We talk with our CVB people. We talk with all of these people. But there's another layer up above us, and that is you working on behalf of the entire Upper Peninsula. But it strikes me that this is a big job because this is a big place. It is a big place. you know. And to give it some context, Todd, the UP geographically is bigger than nine states, and we lose sight of that. But by virtue of that, it is part of the challenge. And then the other part of the challenge, because we're so big, is there's really different strengths and different challenges across the Upper Peninsula. And it, it's almost, in my mind anyway, um, three different sub-regions within the region, really to the east, the central, and the west. Well, even geographically, there are, the eastern part of the Upper Peninsula feels more like an extension of the lower peninsula. If you live in St. Ignace or Sault Ste. Marie, you head south across the bridge to do your shopping, get your extended medical care, things of that nature. Uh, here in the central and western portions of the Upper Peninsula, we, if we're going to do our Christmas shopping out of town, which I hope nobody does, but if we do it, we're heading to Green Bay or Appleton or Duluth or someplace like that, there's really kind of a split down the UP that sends us in different directions physically. There is. And, and, you know, one other example of that and part of the challenge for us is there's also a difference in media markets. And so when you're over on the East End, they're getting most of their news out of Traverse City. And so by virtue of that, we've also got a challenge in terms of kind of shared information. And that, too, presents a real challenge for us. And at the west end of the Upper Peninsula, technically, I suppose they're part of our TV market, but I'm not sure that uh, our TV stations get down there. Uh, Ironwood, uh, Besmer, Wakefield, that area, very, very isolated from the west, uh, rest of the UP. Yeah, that's exactly right. So TV6, of course, on the TV side has big regional reach, but it does miss parts of the Upper Peninsula. And so there's not that unified voice. In fact, one of the things that I'm excited about that we've been able to do in collaboration with our local partners like Kita, Whoopiter, and the MTech Smart Zone is actually now stand up a digital media platform. And so it's really about how we live, learn, work, and do business 
place in the Upper Peninsula called Upward. Uh, explain what this is. How does it work? Yep. So it's uh, it's a partnership with Issues Media Group. And so we've been looking for some period of time with local partners in terms of how do we talk about and tell the story about the Upper Peninsula, both internally and externally. So this is it's um, essentially a digital media platform, a website that publishes articles uh, once a week that talks about what it is uh, like to live, work, learn, and do business in the Upper Peninsula. Who is looking at this? Who do you want to look at this? Well, I think from our perspective, it's important both for Upper Peninsula stakeholders to understand maybe what some of the opportunity in UP looks like and maybe how we can do business with one another. And then additionally, it's seeking an external audience as well. One of the real problems we have in the Upper Peninsula, really the defining metric for us organizationally, Todd, is population loss. And so we're, we're really intent on trying to find a voice that helps broadcast this narrative outside the Upper Peninsula. Yeah, Houghton County was the only county in the most recent census that saw a population gain. And while we're very proud of that, it wasn't exactly a real robust population gain. And everybody else is losing ground. We've seen this particularly in our school districts where class levels, uh, graduating class levels are way below what they were years ago, and the projections for them are to go down further and further. This, of course, is a challenge to businesses that are already here because there are fewer and fewer prospective employees, I suppose. Well, you're spot on. The consequences are, are really profound in a number of respects. Let me offer you two data points, uh, Todd, to you and your listeners. So the first is since 1970, the Upper Peninsula K-12 population has declined by 48%. Yeah. Since 2000, I think even more alarming, the K-12 population across the Upper Peninsula has declined by 26%. So when you translate that population loss of students, and there's some reasons for that that are outside of just population in terms of birth rate, in terms of homeschooling, but by and large, it's the loss, I would suggest, of manufacturing base and jobs. When you translate that loss into just K-12 foundation allowance for our communities, we're losing out in today's foundation allowance if we were at the same high school, same K-12 population as 1970, $300 million each and every year. Yeah, it's incredible. And it, uh, it reflects in, uh, you said the manufacturing jobs, a lot of the mining jobs that we had here a generation, especially two generations ago. But bringing in those manufacturing jobs is a challenge because we have transportation issues. And if you make something, first of all, you have to get the stuff you make it from, yeah. and then you have to take the stuff you make and send it to people who want it. That's certainly something that there's no easy solution to. That's true. You know, I think one of the challenges is where we're located, right? It's, it's a destination if you're coming here, and that's part of the challenge in doing business here. Um, I think it's part of where the opportunity lies in kind of this new generation of technology and what that sector might mean for the Upper Peninsula as you look at like Orbion or you look at what Calumet Electronics is doing or you look at really the, the businesses that dot the landscape here in the Keweenaw. It's exciting. It is exciting, but on the other hand, everybody else is looking at this excitement too all across the nation and every yeah. little rural place is saying, you know, if we could just get a few high-tech jobs in here, people who could work from home and that kind of thing, so there's competition. Absolutely. Fierce competition. I like our chances for a few reasons. One, we are so blessed to have the higher education community that we have in the Upper Peninsula. And that starts with the institution that's in your back door up here. I think we in the Upper Peninsula take for granted at times how special Michigan Tech is and what that means to this sector. 
And on top of having four universities and four community colleges, we have three smart zones and what the MTech smart zone and David Rowe are doing up here is also really impressive. Don't know if you saw the news just last week that the Department of Energy is investing $8 million into a pilot program that they in Michigan Tech and Eagle Mine were instrumental in standing up called Nyon Metals. So I like that along when you marry it with the quality of life assets that we have. The well, great and life. that's the thing that we can trot out yeah. and say, listen, if you don't like, I, I drove through Chicago Saturday afternoon. I drove through Chicago last week, Saturday afternoon on my way back from a trip to see my family downstate. Traffic was stop and go in Chicago on Saturday afternoon. I can't imagine what it's like on a Monday morning or a Thursday afternoon coming home from work in rush hour. If we can go to people and say, look at what we have here, it doesn't appeal to everybody. If you want a Starbucks on every corner, if you want uh, 150 different uh, shopping stores that you can go to, well, that's we're not going to work for you. But there are an awful lot of people. When I'm downstate, I say, you know, I live in a county that doesn't own a stoplight. And they go, oh, how lucky you are. <laughs> we do have that. We do. And I think that the challenge for us will be the balance. So as we look to grow, how do you not lose the character of our community that makes it so special? And I think there are certainly ways to do that and we can be intentional about it, but I think that's where we're focused on how do we preserve that quality of life, but still permit some opportunity to grow. Talking with Marty Fatante from InvestUP, that is a comment that came up several times when I was interviewing candidates for the Hancock City Council. Mm -hmm several weeks ago. The the balance between growth and keeping what we have. I had a friend a few years ago tried to recruit me to go work for the uh, public radio station at Interlochen. Mm. And he said, you're going to love living in Traverse City. And I said, I would have loved living in Traverse City 40 years ago when Traverse City was a small colloquial little town. Now it's a big megalopolis mess down there. Um, so we do have this 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 challenge to try to figure out how we can grow and not lose what we have that's right and i think it takes really the community at that point to make sure that we're getting it right so you know i think it's important that residents weigh in with planning commissions to get those plans right and then allow economic and community development development leaders to execute on that plan so who funds you yeah so we are largely private sector funded and so I say largely because it depends on how you look at the universities we're really blessed to have the three public universities as investors in the organization so it's principally larger employers across the Upper Peninsula there's a couple boutique employers like the marketing department here locally in Karen Olson so in the Keweenaw we're fortunate to have four investors uh, cabinet electronics the MTech smart zone Michigan Tech and the marketing department how do you balance the obligations that you have for the whole Upper Peninsula amongst all of the various you know, we talked about the various regions we have. Yeah. You know, Sault Ste. Marie is a long ways from here. Ironwood is a long ways from here. Everybody obviously deserves an equal shot yeah. from your organization. That's true. It's, it's one of the challenges for us. And we're a small team. Uh, you know, we've got four full-time employees, two, two um, contractual employees. And so I, I do think uh, in three and a half or uh, nearly four years now, Todd, that, that we've existed, we've been able to punch uh, above our weight. Uh, but uh, that is absolutely a big challenge for us. So we really rely. We, as a regional economic development organization, cannot be successful if we don't have successful local partners. And you are fortunate in the Keweenaw to have 
Jeff Radcliffe at Keita and, and the good work that they do and what um, Jerry Warnma and the team at, at Wolpeter do and, and again, what MTech does. So for us to be successful, um, we need really strong local partners. You have that here. And what we try to be at the end of the day to those local partners is a resource and a partner on maybe those issues or challenges that they need some help with. Do you typically take the lead on issues or do you typically act as support for the local efforts that are going to take the lead? Much more often than not, we would follow in on the lead of the local. And so um, we appreciate the outreach from them when maybe they've got a challenge that uh, we could bring some resources to to help solve. What kind of things can we bring to the table economically to help try to get either local businesses to be able to expand or new businesses to come in. There's been this ongoing discussion in Lansing for decades now. Do we give tax breaks? Do we not? Do we give incentives? Do we not? We wind up giving tax breaks and incentives. Somebody backs out and then there's all sorts of criticism. And then three or four years later, we're right back at it saying, you know, we need to give some tax breaks. Otherwise, we're not going to be competitive. Where do we fit comfortably or do we fit comfortably into that discussion? So I think, um, you know, from the perspective of those policy issues, we certainly will weigh in, um, but we try to play the hand that's dealt us. And so as those um, incentives kind of ebb and flow, um, we certainly won't have any consequential impact on moving the uh, needle with policymakers. We'll certainly weigh in and take advantage of those that provide opportunity for us. I look at it a little bit differently from an organizational standpoint, Todd, where we try to focus opportunity for us is those assets that we have in the Upper Peninsula, such as we talked about, that quality of life asset. Uh, Additionally, as we're looking at an evolution in mobility right now and what's going on with electronic mobility, there's opportunity for us in that with regard to the um, precious metal extraction that we have before us. So how do we make uh, a, a vertical industry out of that? So what we're mining in the Upper Peninsula is embedded into manufacturing in Detroit. Um, we've got such rich natural resources here as you're seeing this uh, conversation taking place culturally about what do we do with plastics as an example. So you've got great work going on here at Michigan Tech about new uses of fiber as an example. So where are new and emerging markets there that maybe we can take advantage of? You mentioned mining. That's been controversial. Obviously mining built what much of what we have in the Upper Peninsula, obviously mining left behind some unfortunate things, which hopefully we have learned from and uh, uh, existing mining will at least not be quite, will be a lot more gentle on the environment than what was happening here a hundred years ago. Uh, There are people who fight mining tooth and nail, the, uh, the, the Back 40 project down uh, near the Wisconsin border just got dealt a blow from the State Historic Preservation Commission, of all things. How do we balance the... Obviously, we need to take care of our ecology. We need to take care of our environment. That's part of our, our benefit here. But we need to be able to take advantage of some of the opportunities that Mother Nature has given us. I couldn't agree more with the premise of that, Todd. We do have a responsibility to be good stewards of that, which we've been blessed here, and that provides a strategic asset for us with that quality of life that we all enjoy from the Great Lakes to the um, extraction of precious metals to uh, forest harvest practices. Um, I would point to an example of success that I think um, 
speaks for how that balance is achieved. And that's the Eagle Mine up in Marquette. I would bring them up as well. I've been watching that since they started it. I know that they, it's almost from what I've been able to see, a blueprint as to how to do it right. They've been very careful. They have also funded a, a third party effort to monitor them. Uh, the Keweenaw Bay Indian community is involved in that. And uh, was it the Lake Superior Watershed Partnership? You I think that, that that's doing that. And they're doing their own evaluations of things, their own testing, which Eagle Mine is paying for. Yeah. And as far as I know, there have not been any problems. So I look back at how that conversation started in early 2000, and it was contentious, and people were rightfully concerned about what that looked like on the landscape of the Upper Peninsula. And here we are 22 years later, and over a billion dollars of local investment later, and that mine has, has really been so embraced by the community. And it's because of the type of outreach and transparency and stewardship that they've employed in extracting nickel out of that mine. And so I think it's the blueprint, to use your word, of how we can be responsible stewards of the environment and still at the same time take advantage of this really rich commodity that we are so blessed to have locally. Because we do need to be vigil. We've learned that. We've got toxic sites here on Torch Lake yet yeah. that still need to be cleaned up. We've got uh, uh, other issues around the Copper Country. We encountered an old mine shaft working on a road downtown, for heaven's sake, that nobody knew was there. Uh, these little time bombs are all over the place. So we do have to be very mindful and watchful of this. But we can't let it stop us because we need these things. And particularly as we look to try to be more green in our society, we need the nickel, we need the cadmium, we need the precious metals that come out of here to make the batteries that are going to make us green. And that's exactly the paradox. And so I think if, if we can advance this opportunity and do it safely and responsibly, there is such opportunity in front of us. And so from, from our perspective, it's really about offering that assurance while providing the opportunity. And, and one thing I think that may be of interest to your viewers or your listeners, excuse me, is... That they watch us <laughs> intently, though. They're okay. looking at their speakers right now going, ooh, this uh, is fun. Well, thanks for covering for me. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, the CHIPS Act that was recently passed by Congress and signed by President Biden requires that um, by 2024, 60% of the precious metals that are embedded in EV products needs to be extracted from uh, North America. And by 2026, that number is 80%. So we're definitely headed in this direction, no matter what you think of the politics of it. In the big three, and others are making that investment right now to ensure that that's the direction we're going. So how are we part of that solution at the end of the day and still be mindful of the challenges that we had in the past, not um, uh, replicate those mistakes, right. but replicate what happened up in Big Bay and Marquette. And we have to keep in mind that we've seen very dramatically with the automotive industry over the past couple of years, what happens if those external chip supplies get cut off. Yes. And I think that we are fortunate that we saw it with the commercial automotive industry and not with the defense industry if we were involved in a major situation or something like that. Um, this is a, a warning bell. And as you said, it provides a huge opportunity for us in the UP because we have some of that stuff here and not a lot of other people in the United States have it. That's right. You, that's one thing you can't replicate, right? It is where it is. And yep. so that's why we have to find that balance to permit us to extract responsibly and, and move that industry forward. Um, it, it's 
provides us with such a, an opportunity to separate ourselves from other rural communities. And then does it give us the opportunity to try to attract some of those businesses that use those products here and say, okay, yeah, most of what we have, uh, you have to bring it in and then ship it out. At least with this, we already have it. So all you have to do is come here, build it, and then ship it out. It's exactly how we view it, yes. So uh, that works a bit with the forest products industry uh, as well, you know, with got companies up here that manufacture all sorts of forest products because we have that resource here. It sure does. And, you know, you look at the, um, the technology that's being proved out right now, be it with like mass timber, replacing steel and concrete in structures, the tallest mass timber building that exists in the country is in Wisconsin. But the manufacturing base for mass timber is on the east and the west coast. And what you have like with Mark Rudnicki at Michigan Tech doing to help understand how hardwood can be used in mass, or in mass timber production, that's really important research that's going on right here. And so there's absolutely an evolution of emerging markets that I think suits uh, the opportunity for us here well as well. Well, and particularly with hardwood as an opportunity because hardwood has always been underused in the construction process. Yeah. If you go to the lumber yard, you buy a two by four, that's softwood. That's, that's uh, you know, from, from our area, if it's made here, it's white pine, red pine, spruce, uh, something like that. The poplars and the aspens and the things like that have always been kind of considered junk lumber up here and if we can find more opportunities to use that it grows quickly we like that because yeah. you can turn it over very quickly i think a lot of people don't understand that our forest lands up here are really like very slow motion farms that's exactly right you know it's really part of advanced agriculture and when you look at you know what um the fins are doing you have the fin zone here in in, in houghton and some of the technology that there you and Pat, patrick Bisser at um the fin zone shared with me a video that shows like a, oh, a four or five foot piece of birch that gets pulped and then spun into the um, dress for the prime minister's wife. So that technology exists. We've just got to figure a way to take advantage of it here. Yeah, and do it uh, cleanly yep. without causing a lot of environmental That's right. uh, aggravation. Energy is certainly a problem. Electricity costs, especially up here. How big an obstacle is that when you're talking with potential manufacturers locating here? It's certainly an issue. You know, I wouldn't want to suggest that it's not something that's top of mind for them. Um, and uh, uh, hopefully I can come back in a few weeks and, and share, um, I think, a, a fairly big announcement that's coming um, for a, a project that Energy certainly was part of the conversation, but this project, significant project, moving forward, um, knowing full well what those energy costs look like. So despite that. Okay, because it, it is an issue, and yet, uh, you know, I suppose there are other things that can offset it. Uh, for those of us who pay high electric bills at home, that's perhaps not so much a problem. But on the other hand, you know, you look at other places around the country, our costs of living here remain relatively low. Our housing costs are well below what you'll find in any major market. Uh, so there, there's some things that, that offset that. Uh, not only cost of living, but I think the quality of our schools and public safety, you know, we've got those assets to celebrate as well. Um, but absolutely cost of living is one. It, it has presented a challenge for us to some degree through the pandemic because what we saw was a lot of the existing housing stock was getting purchased, oftentimes sight unseen, oftentimes for cash offers. And it's left us with this constriction on available housing that is really real 
I know in the Keweenaw, but across the Upper Peninsula. And the first time, here in the Keweenaw at least, the first time that we've ever really experienced that, because dating back to when the mines closed, we for a century had more houses here than we needed. The place emptied out. There were houses sitting empty. There were houses being yeah. torn down. This is the first time that we have really had to look at a situation where we don't have enough rental housing opportunity or apartments and we don't have enough housing stock for people to purchase. We do not have a history in this area of what we in the business called uh, spec construction. You know, builders didn't go out, don't go out and build spec homes here and expect that somebody's going to buy them by the end of the summer. Uh, this is going to take a little bit of a realignment here and I suspect in other places as well. It's an issue all across the Upper Peninsula. I, I think it's um, it's maybe even a little more um, pronounced here because you look at President Kubek and the plans that Michigan Tech has for growth. Really ambitious, yeah. really important, you know, and, and what that looks like for employing people not only at Michigan Tech but ancillary to that, your healthcare institutions here and the implications to them. So there are really significant implications to the lack of available housing here, and it's, it's um, I'm grateful policymakers have now engaged on the issue. We've got some ideas. We're putting some resources into it here soon as well. Um, but it, from our perspective, if we're going to address the challenge with population, it's the number one issue that's in front of us. You have to figure out an avenue to get new development online. And it'll be interesting to see how that and all of these other things play out over the next few months and years. Marty Fatante from InvestUP, thank you for your time on Copper Country today. Best wishes. Thank you so much, Todd. Really appreciate the opportunity.